We're turning to God's Word and to, first of all, to the second epistle of Peter. Now, it's easier found turning back from the Revelation and turning left and come back from Revelation. You have the little epistle of Jude, and then you have 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then you have 1st and 2nd Peter. If you go the other way, sometimes it's not easy to find these small epistles for they're tucked away in there and uh, it takes time. We always need to take time to get the place and you need to have your Bible. These are days we need the Bible and we need the truth expounded. And uh, we're going to do that this morning. And then we're turning to Zephaniah where, we la- where last week... Uh, for some verses there. So we're, I hope you are at Second Peter chapter 3, and uh, we'll read from the verse 9. But just let us ask the Lord to bless the word. Father, we pray for your word this morning. Lord, it's re- revered above thy name. It's settled in heaven. It's the eternal word of the living God and we have come, Lord, to expound it and to preach it this morning with the words that you've laid upon our heart. And we pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit will take these truths and wing them into our hearts and souls, we pray to thee. We thank you and we praise you this morning uh, that we have a desire to be here, to worship to remember and to wait on the God of heaven and this one day you've set aside for us in the week. So now, Lord, your word we need to hear from thy mouth through this servant this morning. For Jesus' sake, amen. At verse 9 of Second Peter 3, we read these words. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise or his promises or his word, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any, now notice that word any, should perish, but that all, two small words but very important words, all should come to repentance. Let me stop a wee moment there and say to you, in this verse 9, Peter's speaking about the will of God. The will of God. It's not God's will that any should perish. Now, the word perish doesn't mean to be obliterated and not to exist. It means to be forever in an eternal hell. That's the gravity of this word. And the only way that we can stay out of hell, according to Peter here, is repentance. Because it's the will of God that all men should repent, should come to repentance. It's a command to all men. And surely we pray the sinner's prayer. But there's no use in praying the sinner's prayer if there's not repentance. There has to be repentance, a turning away from our sins and a change, a complete change in our life. 
And that's, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And so that's what verse 9 speaks. It speaks about the will of God. And then in verse 10, we have the wrath of God. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works therein shall be burnt up. Let me stop again. The day of the Lord is always referred to the day of tribulation that's going to come upon this world and has begun. You see those fires in California? You see at midday, it's, at midday, it's midnight. So many people with respiratory conditions are dying and healing. There's judgment of God, my friend. And this verse 10 here is talking about, is talking about the, the wrath, the wrath of God. Verse 7, look at what verse 7 says. Talks about the, it talks about the heat, the fire. And then it talks about the fervent heat in verse 10. And it talks about being melted and dissolved, all things elements and works of men and everything's going to be burnt up. And there in verse 10 it talks about a noise in the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. Now that word noise is a whistling, hissing, crackling sound that would burst your eardrums, I am told. Do you know that secular, secular scientists Call this and their ungodly men Peter's atomic age. This is Peter now. And Peter's telling us what's going to happen and is happening. Things are going to dissolve, they're going to melt. Whenever you take a paracetamol, I had a cold during the week and I dropped a paracetamol into two paracetamols into a drop of water. And I tell you, I hadn't long to wait until they were dissolved. And all things of men that have been built, all the big bridges and all the big cathedrals and the mountains of Morn, the thing will sweep down to the sea, well, it will sweep into the sea. For the mountains shall fall into the sea, the day of God's wrath. My friend, that day is upon us. The day is, is upon us. And if you're not saved this morning, it's not God's will that you would go to hell. It's not God's will, it's his, not his will that any should pay, but that all would come. We don't preach a limited atonement. That all should come to the knowledge of God and to truth in the gospel. But then it's verse 11 that we're linking this morning. See and then, Peter says, that all these things shall be dissolved, melted, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? And that word conversation doesn't just mean our words and our lip and our tongue, and we need to watch them. It means our whole being, our whole life. What manner of persons ought we to be, seeing that these things are nigh? 
seeing that the end is nigh and Jesus is coming at any moment, what sort of people should we be? I wonder if if we'd have followed some of you during the week. And these are very critical moments and very critical hours that we are in. And every moment, every day, every hour, prophetic scriptures are being fulfilled under our nose. And it's time that the people of God wakened up to the fact that we're going to be at the judgment seat before long, maybe before tonight. And all these things will be burnt up. The houses and the cars and the tractors and the farm and the rich man. Jesus said to the rich man, who shall these things? That's what it says here, things. Who shall these things be? The only things. The great Niagara is only a thing. The big wall of China is only a thing. They'll all be destroyed. And all that men wrought and worked for. I was talking to a woman in praying with her, a Catholic woman in Fermanagh the other day. And I was remembering her husband and how good he was. And they were good neighbors. And I said, tell me this. How did Danny die? She told me just in the middle of the night he took a pain in his chest and he was dead within a half an hour. She says the day before he spent the whole day looking for a bullock. That about a hundred acres of land in this hilly bad land. And from the top of the mountain from where the, of the land you could count I think it's ten counties in Ireland. Donegal and Sligo and Monaghan and most of them up the north. She says he spent the whole day, a wet November day, the whole day trying to get a, a bullock that was lost from the flock, from the herd. And he came back wet and cold that night and tired. And he died during the night. And she says when the people were gathering at the house in the morning... The old bullock was standing in the yard with the rest of the kettle. Who shall these things be? Seeing these are going to happen, Peter says, what manner of people ought we to be? Now, that's not my sermon, but I want you to turn back to Zephaniah. Now, again, take your time. Go back from Malachi, back to the white pages between Malachi and Matthew and go back to Zechariah and Haggai and you're back a few just like Peter back from Revelation you're back a few and you have the prophecy of Zephaniah and we're chapter 1 and verse 14 now take your time I want you to get your place now because It's not me you come to listen to, it's the Lord. Zephaniah, this is 650 years before Peter penned what he penned. But Zephaniah 19 times mentions the day of the Lord in his three chapters. 19 times. And here's what he says in verse 14. Same thing that Peter's talking about. Don't say now that we're not warned. He says the great day of the Lord is near. It's near. It's hastening. And if you have 
Look at verse 18. You'll see it's coming with speed. But like Peter, he outlines what sort of persons we ought to be. Turn to chapter 3 and verse 9, for that's where we were last week. The Lord showed me that I need to go on with this. Then in chapter 3 and verse 9, he answers the very same, what manner of persons ought we to be seeing the day of judgment and the day of the Lord is upon us. Zephaniah 650 years before Peter is asking us the same question. So you just answer it for yourself now this morning. Well, the Holy Spirit needs to speak to you. And then in verse 9, he says, Then will I turn to the people of a pure language. That's conversation, isn't it? I wonder what your conversation was during the week. I tell you, we need to bridle our tongues. And then he says the conversation. Then he says, And many shall call upon the name of the Lord. That's supplication. Don't see the prayer meetings improving too greatly in the past. A supplication. That's what we need to be doing, my friend. We need to be praying. If only you prayed for your sons and your daughters. And the little ones, my dear, my dear friends, God help the youngsters. And then he talks about unification. In verse 9 he says, and they'll stand and serve him with one consent and have a margin that's shoulder to shoulder. Standing together in unity. We need to be united. But there's two more. Look at verse 11. In that day shalt thou not be ashamed for all, that's the same day of the Lord, wherein thou hast transgressed against me, for then I will take away out of the midst of thee them that rejoice in thy pride and thou shalt no more be haughty because of my holy mountain. Humiliation. Pride. But God says pride and arrogance do I hate. Oh, but oh, we need, we all need a good dose of humiliation. We need to be poor in spirit. That's what it says here. But it's the fifth one that I'm after this morning, and it's in verse 12. And this is what we're dealing with this morning. I will also leave in the midst of thee. Now, if you turn the page of verse, you needn't do it now, but it talks about the remnant. He's talking about the the remnant. He says, I will leave in the midst of thee an afflicted and poor people, and they shall trust in the name of of the Lord, an afflicted and a poor people. Now, we're not going to deal with the poor bit, but the Lord says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Poverty of spirit is when a man or woman's low at the feet of Christ and they say, Lord, I can't do anything. I'm a pauper. I'm useless. Not poor intellectually, but more brains as the brainy boys has the world and the state of the sin. Telling one thing one day and another thing another day and all their brains. The 
Ballymena separated there with postcodes and Collybacky. And we lived in Collybacky. Collybacky has two postcodes. One half of Collybacky is on one side, another half is on the other side. And you can do what you like on one side, and you have to stay in the house on the other side. Doesn't make sense. And a whole lot of it doesn't make sense, and I'm not going into it this morning. It's not poor intellectually, and it's not poor financially. Poor spiritually. When we get low at the feet of Jesus, he says, blessed, happy are those that are poor in spirit. Now, this word affliction is the same word as tribulation. Now, we're talking to the remnant. We're talking about those who are going to stand in these days. This is a separating hour. And the chaff has to be separated from the wheat. And if it took COVID to do it, then it's doing to do it. This is the hour. Now, when we have to stand. And this word affliction here, for the remnant of God's people, is the word tribulation, the same word. And the word tribulation is to scourge. It's to flail. It's to beat, to tear, to rend, to smash, and to trash. What a mighty word. And Paul tells us that the remnant in the last days, here's what he says, we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Flailed, trashed, hammered, beaten. Now the word tribulation comes from an ancient farming word. The eastern farmers separated the chaff from the wheat with a thing called the tribulum. It was like a baseball bat and there was sharp teeth on the end of it. And they laid the, they laid the, 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 the barley out, they laid it out and out, and the, with their two hands they would chop and beat and flail at this thing until they were separated the wheat from the chaff. It was called the tribulum. It was scourging. It was beating. It was thrashing. Now, some of you, and many there are too, thank God, who know what it is to hold the line in these days. And if we're going to hold the line for God in these days, we will be flailed. We will be trashed, not only by the world, but by carnal Christians. I'm talking about the remnant now. I'm talking about these Men and women who are going to stand for God in the last days. There's always been a remnant. And we're going to be, we're going to be flailed. Now before I say anything else, let me say this. Not one skate of the tribulum. Not one smack. Not one scourge. 
can come upon a believer unless God allows it. You get that into your head now. If you're a believer and born again by the Spirit of God, not a fly can land on your wrist without God knowing it and seeing it. That's what we call the sovereignty of God. And we've got away from this. Oh, there's many, many things we don't understand. Of course we don't. But you'll see in a minute. But the sovereignty of God, my friend, is not one thing. I don't care what has happened in your life. God has allowed it if you're a believer. For him, some purpose. We don't know what they are. But for some purpose. And that's the way, one of the major ways that he teaches us and trains us. And I'll tell you, bridles our tongues and keeps us in prayer and keeps us in unity. For I have seen it over the years, even in this corner. And I can tell you, my friend, where there's the flailing and there's the, there's the affliction and there's the trials in the life and in the homes and in our families. It draws us into unity and it'll draw us to prayer. Man, I see people coming to the prayer meeting. Oh, there's great need. You need to pray for my mother. You need to pray for my son. Surely. Nothing will drive us to prayer and it will take something like that to drive us to prayer. So it's all part of God's plan. The psalmist says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. He says, it's good for me that I've been afflicted that I might learn the word of God. Now I want to draw in very close with this this morning. For God laid it upon my heart during the week. Powerful. The flail. You'll rise up some morning and they'll discover a lump. And you'll go to the doctor and he'll tell you that it's malignant. And there has to be surgery and chemotherapy. Many of you know something about that. The phone rings at three o'clock in the morning. My phone has rang many times at two and three o'clock in the morning. It's not a nice thing. Have you a son named? Does he drive such and such a car? This is the police. Rings again at the hospital. Is he dead? No, just come over. I'll tell you, the tongue will be bridled that night. 
And you'd be looking for prayer that night. Some woman gets a phone call, and I know of one who have. Do you know that your husband's having an affair? Comes an envelope through the door with a big window on it and you open it and it's a bill that you never thought you'd get and you can't pay it. On and on and on. Many are the afflictions of the righteous and they'll get no less as the day approaches. This day. This is not for the faint-hearted. Child diagnosed with some malady. Scan has shown that the child is disabled. Or autism. Many of you ever heard of Charles Kindley. He was a black slave during the Civil War in America. His mother was a slave and his father was free, which meant that he was free lawfully. But a wicked even slave master got hold of him and he says, you're not free. And for seven years, that slave master beat him. First time he lashed him and scourged him so bad and he was so deformed that part of his hair never grew in the back of his head. He was so flailed and so beaten that he was deformed. One day he heard somebody reading and he made the mistake to say to the slave driver, could somebody teach me to read? He says, you're good for nothing and you're too cheeky and you'll never read. He says, I'm going to flail you again. This time he turned around and he flailed him at the front. Lost part of his eyesight. His face was disfigured. When the Civil War was over, he fled to Philadelphia and he sought out some Methodist people and they gave him a job feeding the furnace away down in the cellar to keep the heat go. And they gave him keep and give him a place but the woman of the church or some of the women taught Charles how to read the Bible. And he got gloriously saved read the Bible and went out onto the streets of Philadelphia to preach. Saw hundreds saved for the Lord and started a Methodist church in Philadelphia. 7,000 people attending every Sunday. They used to say, come and hear the man. 
with the power of God. And they said to him, Charles, why are you so happy? Charles, why are you not grieved over what happened to you and those that abused you? And he took a lump of paper and he had to hold the pen with his two hands. He was six foot three and he stooped over. His hands shaking. He penned that mighty hymn. We will understand it in the by and by. Then he took the pen again, the lump of paper again. And he penned, take your troubles to the Lord and leave them there. Will you do that this morning? Can you do that this morning? You have to learn to do that this morning. You have to learn to leave the past. I don't know why you had a miscarriage. I don't know why you had cancer. I don't know why your son committed suicide. I don't know why you were in that accident. I don't know. And then he got the pen again with the two hands shaking. This big man of six foot three, a giant for God, penned that mighty, mighty words, we shall overcome someday. The civil rights in America and here took it and abused that, those mighty words. We shall overcome. Not we shall overcome, Charles. Charles had overcome. John, the apostle who knew tribulation like nobody else, said they have overcome him with the word of their testimony. And the blood of the Lamb. We're overcomers. That's why I sang that hymn this morning. <coughs> this is the victory. Whosoever is born of God has overcome the world. Who is he that overcometh the world? He that believeth the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, our light afflictions is but for a moment. Paul says in Romans 5, we glory and we rejoice in tribulations also. Oh, not easy rejoicing in anything you heard this morning there. Oh, we glory in tribulation also because tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope, faith. Hammers us closer to God. I'm finished. But what about the blessed master? Despised and rejected of men. Peter turned away from him and went away in amongst the world's fire. And he cursed him and he oathed him and he denied him. 
What a blow that must have been. His own family says, there's a devil in you. Coming up to the cross, they all forsook him and fled. He stood alone. He stood alone. Amongst all the lashing and the scourgings and the beatings in Gethsemane, it was mental. Drops of blood coming out of us. Blood coming out of us. Oh, the bitter cup. And Gabbath, it was physical. They stripped him and tied him and put a chain around him and put him over like this and they flailed him. Many never was able to stand it. Tore the back off him. And Golgotha was spiritually hung there. The very father forsook. What do we know about it? Very little. But let me tell you, we will know more about it. Are you going to take your stand? The thin end of the wedge is in. The devil's ready to close down if we don't stand. And he'd keep the children out of Sunday school and he'd keep the people from singing and he'd keep you from praying. And there's that many that gullible they can't see it. That's the sort of preaching you'll be getting from now on. Hebrews 12 and 2, let me close, let me drive it home. Looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. There was no joy in the cross. There's no joy in the flailing. There's no joy in the scourging. There's no joy in finding the lump. There's no joy in getting the phone called. But listen, the best has yet to be. Hallelujah. We shall glory in tribulations also. And we're going to go on with this because after all these things are over, there's joy coming and it's coming in the end of this chapter and you read it during the week. And we'll give praise to the Lord for every time that affliction and trial come. It'll bend us and break us and smash us and put us down, but we'll rise. Charles Kindley rose and done a mighty work for God and left us with those three mighty hymns, the were hymns.
May God help us. We'll know it better in the by and by.